Two months ago today, Superstorm Sandy hit the tri-state area. The storm flooded streets, highways, tunnels, buildings, and homes, and crippled the region's public transit system. Many areas are still struggling to rebound from the storm, including the Rockaways in Queens. Good morning, I'm George Boraki, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. This morning, we're taking a look at efforts to help residents of the hard-hit Rockaways rebuild their homes and lives in the aftermath of Sandy. Joining me this morning in the studio is Vivian Retake Carter. She's a resident of the Bell Harbor section of the Rockaways. She's also the author of a book that looks into the storied past of Rockaway Beach. Vivian, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you, George. Also with us is Jim Kaloran. He's the executive director of Habitat for Humanity of Westchester. Jim, thank you for coming in. Great to be here. And we also welcome Michael Murphy. Michael's with Murphy Brothers Contracting based in Mamaroneck in Westchester County. They're doing work in the Rockaways. Mike, hello to you. Thank you, George. Vivian, let me start with you. How would you describe the state of the Rockaways two months after Sandy? Well, the uh, area I live in is the western portion of the peninsula, so I can only speak to that. I have not visited the section east of 94th Street because I lost my car in the storm, and generally I travel all over the peninsula, so I'm not used to this. I feel very disoriented that I'm only seeing the section from 94th to about 149th Street in Bell Harbor, but it's still very dusty. There's still quite a few sanitation and construction vehicles constantly kicking up dust. Homes are being demolished, so there's lots of particulate matter in the air. We have still 5,800 homes without electricity and 1,100 businesses without electricity. It's really hard to fathom how that affects a community. And beyond just the basics of the health and safety of the residents, The whole community has also lost its libraries, are closed. The um, cultural activities, such as the Rockaway Artists Alliance, the Rockaway Theater Company, have not been able to continue because they're both in the federal parkland and it's closed at this point, and they're using the parking lot for, you know, dumping all the debris from the houses. What about your home? Did your home survive the storm? um, Well, I rent one place, and I have a home uh, that I own. So the home I own was actually on a localized high spot, on a beach block, six lots in from the ocean. And surprisingly, it only had about two feet of water. The boiler was on a uh, concrete block. So it was up and it was not damaged. We lost two windows. But other than that, the house is still habitable. The apartment I'm in, unfortunately, the basement filled with water. The entire car, uh, all the cars on our block were filled with water up to their dashboards. And there was a fire on the block behind us. So we watched out our back windows as that fire was raging the night of the storm. So it was quite frightening. With eight feet of water, it filled the basement and came up about six inches in the first floor as well. Where did you ride out the storm? I was in the apartment, and my landlady was there as well. We were kind of helping each other out. She has some cats that she was trying to get in the house, and they wouldn't come in. So the cats literally like floated in these chairs on the front porch. It was amazing. How tight-knit of a neighborhood is Bell Harbor? Well, the people from this um, Mormon Helping Hands group spoke at an event at the Bell Harbor Yacht Club, and they said compared to all the communities where they did volunteer work during the storm throughout the city in New Jersey and Long Island, the Rockaways was the community that they thought pulled together the most as far as neighbors helping neighbors, friends being close to friends, 
it does have a small town feel to it much more so, I think, than the suburban areas. Jim, you head Westchester's Habitat for Humanity, and I'll emphasize Westchester. You're not in the Rockaways, so what is your connection to the Rockaways? Well, I am in the Rockaways now daily, and I... Uh, Actually, uh, my high school buddy lives out there on 141st, and I'd just been at a wedding five weeks before, and I don't didn't visit often. But um, in 2006, I led a FEMA disaster in Mamaroneck, and we got it over 250 homes. There was a lot of flooding in Mamaroneck. A lot of flooding everywhere. I had just come back from New Orleans, and then March 16th, one flood, and then April 17th, around those dates. And that led me into the mucking and gutting uh, uh, volunteer uh, command centers that, that I led during that time. And then Irene hit last year again. So, you know, I've had the experience of doing it. And my buddy from 141st said, Killer. My, my, uh, he said, said, Your nickname is Killer. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, you you, you got to come over and do what you did in Mamaroneck. And this is a guy who's, you know, that's a nice area. They're all nice areas. Uh, um and I went over and I brought a generator and pumps for the whole street. And that night, the ambulance got stuck at the end of the road in the sand that we couldn't leave and uh, sleeping in the cold. And the next day, I went over towards towards uh, some of the areas that were hit and uh, saw the devastation. And every day, I would just come out and bring another 100 boxes of contractor bags for four days as I met a lot of different people. The first day I went over, I went uh, a couple, brother and sister, I think it's the Matsons, uh, asked me to drive them through water so they could get their bags out of their bungalow and take them back to uh, uh, towards Erskine Avenue off of the belt. And, uh, you know, thank God I had a pickup because I was able to go through the water easily. So that kind of was my love introduction to the Rockaways in, in the way, and I say love because, you know, like the people there are phenomenal and, uh, you know, you know, no matter, but the stress level is, is unbelievable too. When and, you say phenomenal, do you also mean resilient? Yeah. You know, one, one guy came up to me and said, you know, we're rugged individuals. And I thought that was appropriate. And he said, but, and he almost was crying and he was, you know, stra- strapping. And he said, but we have to help ourselves, and we can't even help my mother. So the, a lot of uh, intergenerational families, extended families, you know, communities, people, you know, for, for, you know, parents and kids grow up and buy their homes and want to live there. So you could see how people would love it. But, you know, for our listeners, it's, you know, and tonight it's cold. I think of the woman who chased me under the National Grid tent, 86 years old, with a colostomy crying, begging me to go to her home and visit where she had no heat. And she's got hot water and soda bottles warming her hands and herself at night. And that's what motivates me to be there every day for the last 45 days and right through Christmas and on Christmas and and right on New Year's. You know, disaster won't take a holiday this year and neither will we. And, uh, because I think a lot of seniors are, are are at a threat of loss of life through pneumonia and other things. And and so uh, because I have a volunteer base, and Mike's seen it, we average two to 500 
people a week, which is a blessing. Two to five hundred volunteers. Yeah, you know, my we we've uh, you know, and that's good and bad, you know, because you're engaging two to five hundred uh, Fordham kids who are studying uh, business and humanities to learn how to build on a site and get a job done. Well, so a lot of students involved in the effort. Students and and churches and synagogues and companies, you name it, everybody's welcome. Um, and needed. Uh, but we've done that in our other building and taking over neighborhood revitalization and so and, and as well as in the disaster of Mamaronic. So, we're, you know, there's a there's a uh, it's a logistic challenge. But if you can set up good command centers and leadership amongst each person, uh, each group, then you can can hit a lot. And, and we've done it. We've had twenty five hundred volunteers in about 15 days. We've touched over 600 homes. And uh, there's still a lot of people, and there's a lot of groups that are disbanding now. What does that mean when you say well, you've touched over? And I apologize. You know, the, you heard the term muck and gut. And so you go in and you, you, know, you rip off the, the uh, sheetrock and the wet insulation, and you attempt to demold it and pull out the, the floors. Some have four sets of floors on them. Or, uh, you know, uh, and, and so we go, go in and we're trying to uh, get the mold out, which is critical. And you know, uh, I was with a mother with two kids just yesterday, and the the mother had, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to leave their home. Elderly people, they don't want to, you know, and they'll let the mold grow, thinking it's going to go away. And you smell it when you walk in. Say, look, you just have to do this. You have to get out of here, and we have to clear this out if you want the health of your kids for the long run. And so you know you're you're going you're, you people are in shock anyway. I mean this is a, a like a death, or a, you know on a high stressor level on the you know this is it you know so uh, this is uh, you, you, people are dealing with loss and they have to deal with trying to get FEMA or their insurance company or their no car to get to a meeting. I mean so so what what I've learned in the helping professions is you know I don't. I, I, I hit first and ask later, or you know, you, you don't want to put people through more stress as a helper. You want to be there to this this great woman who you can see is is confined to 94th to 112th because she has no car, and we take the very essentials so much for granted. But when you hit with something like this, be it New Orleans or Haiti, and now right here in your listeners' mm-hmm. audience, it's we have to do something about it, and that's what we're doing. You know, this isn't going away, and, and we tend to go from disaster to disaster. And you know, uh, Sally to say that the consumption of the horrific uh, Connecticut shootings is on our mind tonight. But you know, again, on my mind and on Vivian's mind and on Mike's mind is there are people who are homeless. There are people who won't get back in the house for six months. There are people who need our help. And it's the ultimate manger story in my faith, and that's why why we're doing what we're doing. Too. Let me bring. Mike Murphy into the conversation here of Murphy Brothers Contracting of Westchester. How did you get involved in the effort in the Rockaways? <laughs> well, George, that first weekend after the storm, members of our company got together and said with, with fr- family and friends and said, we've got to help out someplace. And so we ended up in Staten Island for some reason. And we looked around asking people if they needed help. We did nothing very organized except we were all together. And then it didn't really work out so well. And then I, I said to one of the guys at the company, Chris Murphy, I said, you know, why don't we contact Jim Kaloran? Because Jim's probably down there and he's doing stuff. So I called Jim up. And Jim said, well, you can come down here. We need, he said, he 
said, we need guys down here to know what they're doing. I said, Jim, I don't know if we got any of those guys, but, but we'll come down anyway. So that, that next weekend we went down there, and we've been every weekend. Fist bump, by the way. Yeah, you do this fist bump. If you missed that. Yeah. The television audience. We, uh, so every weekend after that, on Sundays, on Saturdays and Sundays, we send down small groups of people, sometimes larger, and, and, um, and they volunteer. Donating yeah. your services. This is completely well. Actually, that's what we do. We uh, it's we do cleanup, we do tear out things like that. It's really not ready for building yet, is it, Jim? No, we are we are bringing sheetrock and insulation, and we're gearing up the Army Fort Tilden that we have in the reserve uh, garages there to put supplies, and we've distributed. But you know, I, I don't want to underestimate the value. Like I remember, I told you we have like two hundred unskilled. Mm-hmm. You know. Ten, uh, ten Murphy skilled people is worth two hundred unskilled volunteers. Meaning, you know, to 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 go in and to know and to guide and to, they're helping our command center, which is a church that we gutted, to become what will become a uh, boarding room for Fordham students and other colleges that have already signed up to come in from January to March to go and live and to and to, then go out to help in the Rockways and and so you know. We're on mass, but they they've been just a, a blessing in helping to bring boilers and you know uh, and Mike Mike was right there, so they they've been right there and they were flooded themselves in Mamaroneck in, in two thousand right. six. So they you know it's it's like we've both had that experience knowing what it's like, what people are going to go through. Mike, have you ever been involved in an effort of this scale, though? I don't think any of us have. Well, I mean, you have, Jim, but. No, we haven't been. This is unprecedented, and um, your heart goes out to the people, as Jim says. People come up to us all the time, and first time I, I went there, and, and people come up to me. The first person came up and said, uh, "Gee, you know, we, we really are so grateful for you being here." And you know, you think, "Yeah, well, I'm sure you are." But then the next person came up, and someone else came up, and there was this genuine outpouring of of uh, gratitude. And then you realize that people don't have any; everything they had is lost. Uh, then Jim had taken us over to the place where the houses had burned down. There was over 100 houses. Right, over 100. Yeah. They were, you know, where you see these pictures in the front page of the Times, 100 mm-hmm. homes, and there are 500 homes that need to be knocked down. And, you know, every time you go over there, whether it be it a CEO or a kid or whoever, you're showing pictures or, or jewelry. And this is, you know, on top of losing your dwelling, you're losing every part of your history. And in a way, I'm... You know, I'm uh, just looking on the on the broader scope of the Rockaways and and the reconstruction of it for the future, which is vital. And how do we do that? I think that's is an important question. But uh, people have lost, you know, their, their whole hearts have been ripped out. Their whole history has been ripped out, and that's that's sometimes worse than the walls that have gone down. Does it take an emotional toll on you guys? You guys are there now every day doing this kind of work, and then you have to drive home to Westchester. What do you think about on your way home? Does it stick with you? You know, I'll I'll cry at least a couple of times a week. Um, and so grateful. I mean, you know, and Vivian, first of all, I'm grateful to the, to the Murphys and the company that came today and the volunteers because... I'm just a mirror, you know, I'm a mirror of what they bring to the table to help the great Vivians that are out there. And that I'm the facilitator of all that. So so it's 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 hard, I, you know, but you know, I we hope we we need to bring hope. So I can't cry often. And Mike brings hope and you know, that's so important during this. We're not going away. And I hope that's helpful to you, Vivian. You might want me to go away, but at least he'll stay or some other no, guy. <laughs> we were hearing this week, though, about the fact that the volunteer flow has slowed down substantially at right. meetings. 
that they're kind of concerned well, they're we trying can get the, to. We can get the volunteers. That's not a problem. The one thing I, we bring to the table, yeah. and some of the other groups are outside in, and this is a call for New York because there's a lot of great outside in people. But New York, you know, and a lot of the new groups that started didn't have the local volunteerism like, like we do because we're in New York Habitat, uh, and it's not far for us to get there, our, our companies or our colleges. So really, for this is a clarion call for volunteers to keep coming from New York into the Rockways to help us, to help the Vivians, to help the Mikes and Jims, and to help the, the people who aren't without heat, you know, so... Um, uh, you know, the holidays, everyone's thinking of their own families. They're thinking of the cold weather, you know, just celebrating. Like I said, we can't stop. We we cannot stop, and we need the volunteer base. So, Vivian, is that a concern of yours, that as the weeks go on, as the months go on, as we move further into 2013, that people will forget about the Rockaways? Yes, and uh, one thing that was brought to my attention the other night, because like I said, I can't really drive around too much. I drive, I go on the bus, and I go through Broad Channel, but the community right. of Broad Channel is Has unique because they're not connected to the national, uh, the natural gas grid. So they don't have natural gas heat. And apparently the city rapid repairs program has been offering electric heat. And many of the people do not want electric heat because of the cost. So they're waiting. They have a unique issue with the oil boilers that there's a limited number of people. Who the Broad Channel people have been left hanging. And then today two FEMA guys asked me, and we're we're talking about rebuilding as well. We have to, at the same time as you're mucking and gutting, we have to think of the long, short term, and long term recovery. And so the FEMA guys who came with me to meet with me, and they they talked about rebuilding. And they asked me to go over to Howard Beach too. So there's a lot of pockets that that are uh, aren't. I remember a, a group came from Westchester. They said, "Will you come and help Sister Pat? She's in Broad Channel. She's here. She needs your help." And so uh, uh, there's areas that haven't been touched well, and the New York, the Rapid Recovery Program is a new animal, if you will, to try to attempt to address the worst disaster in the history of New York, in my my opinion. Uh, and so... And a lot of people have complained that it's not moving as quickly as a lot, they hoped. There's a lot of, uh, you know, part of it is, you know, if you get the heat on, but the elderly person doesn't have the sheetrock and the insulation or the per- people to come in and put that right up after. You're still leaving bare walls with some heat. That's one issue. The second is, you know, there's all different variables. And, and some contractors won't even do it because you know, they have to beef up with more employees and their their reputation is on the line for the long term of their business. That's another hard issue. So this isn't a isn't an attack of a city program per se, but it's not it's it's far from perfect. And and again, I think we, everyone's trying to respond to this. The, the city is the OEM, the 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 you know the Rockaway Homeowners Association. She was at our meeting the other day in the mayor's office. Um, and so uh, every effort is valued, and every every uh, certainly every donation is is valued and needed as well. Be it a uh, you know, a Clorox box, uh, Clorox bottle, or or a compound bucket, or a donation online. All of that is is what we're we're uh, continuing to to see happen, and we need it. Mike, from a contracting perspective, what would you say are the biggest challenges and the biggest needs going forward into the new year? The biggest challenges I see down there is um, organization. Basically, it you know I mean they need some good organization to put that thing together. Um, there's a lot of people have to come to the table and they have to have a, um, some understanding. Um, 
I right now you had asked how we feel if we we walk away do we we do we cry and I we don't actually we're actually very glad to be there and everybody that comes back tells the story all week long people are telling stories now these guys I know he appreciates this because we're like everybody's like this little evangelist going out there and say hey you should see what's going on in breezy point in the rockaways we've been down there they need help you want to help and this is what's happening we had right. a person call us up the other day one of the companies we deal with they offered us ten thousand dollars worth of uh, supplies plumbing supplies that, right. that waterworks i think waterworks yeah and i thought that was great i mean they said you guys need it Come on, right. get it. Right? I mean, you know, you get so many more like that. There's a company offering two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of new furniture. So I need I need a warehouse or a tent for your listeners in the Rockaways. Um, People so, want to give, right? This is not the right. problem. And and then that, but the other problem is also giving what's needed at that particular time too. So there was a, everybody in their whole world emptied out their closets, which was good most of the time. But then after a while, you you know you you don't need clothing forever, and so there were buses, bus loads of stuff. So it, every I always say every day is like a six month time frame. You know you, you you're trying to accomplish six months of work, and your your need base is is changing every week. And I think that's important for those that really want to give to know that these guys are on the ground daily with us and helping. And Vivian knows. Vivian, what do you think your neighbors need most going forward? I think we're at a point where. The lack of the businesses and the lack right. of activities, and if the tents go away, at least in the West End, and there's no food offered, we the transportation is one of the biggest issues that I know you all aren't dealing with that because you're trying to put homes together. You're trying to put, you know, electric and heat. But the transportation, I mean, just to give you an example, it took me two hours and 40 minutes to come on the train from Rockaway and connect. It's always been like the end the of the earth. I mean, in terms of the A train, from what I understand, and the, I, I'm and looking the forward train. to reading your book because, you know, the <laughs> history of the Rockaways is amazing from the gentrification to the A train. It to is, the, and when you mention the, the book, unfortunately, when the train trestle burned down the last time, you know, it was significantly damaged. When was that MTA, again? May 1950. It took six years to rebuild it. Are there lessons that can be learned from history in the Rockaways? Absolutely, because uh, one thing that everyone says now is we will rebuild. We are going to rebuild. Rockaway's always better after every crisis. That's the mentality since the place was settled. Has the area ever seen anything of this magnitude of devastation in history? I was told that in the 1938 Long Island Express hurricane, there was not significant damage. I heard that from the wave historian Emil Lusev, and that sort of surprised me because it was a really big hurricane on Long Island. I know it killed people. There were deaths on the Jersey Shore when a major tidal wave kind of rolled over the Jersey coast. So I was surprised, but um, even Hurricane Donna, there was a big wave that inundated Beach 116th Street Business District. Apparently, it wasn't as big of a crisis as this by a long shot. So I think you can look at a lot of the buildings. There is one facing the ocean that was from the turn of the century. It's now um, the Chai Nursing Home, and it was originally a hotel, and it's still there. It only had a few windows broken in this storm. So older buildings that were built to last are some of them still there, but there's not much left in Rockaway. Most of the older buildings are gone, so... Didn't the Rockaways also see a massive fire at some point in history that destroyed the boardwalk or something along those lines? In 1992, there was a major fire, and that fire um, was started in the Rockaway Museum at the time. It was called the Dime Museum, and it spread 
all built, burnt down all of Seaside from about 108th Street to about 102nd. So the Irish Circle is today one of the few buildings that apparently was uh, around the time of the storm, uh, uh, around the time of that fire. So getting back to my initial mm-hmm. question about are there lessons to be learned from the history of the Rockaways, and there are. There's resiliency, if nothing yes, else. Yes, that people rebuilt after the great fire of 1892, and that's when the Wave newspaper was originated, when oh, yeah. they called it the Wave of Fire that washed over the peninsula, and uh, everything was rebuilt. And uh, I don't know whether it was mainly insurance proceeds or if people had private resources, but they would always get new investors that had more hope that there would be new things around the corner. It's kind of like a, you can see how beautiful it is out there, though. Like, like the potential of it, you know, is unbelievable to rebuild without gentrifying anybody. But, you know, uh, it's, you know, you can, like one of the ministers said to me, it's, a, it's our secret of how nice it has been. Is that a concern, Vivian, gentrification? Oh, well, someone got up at the community board meeting when they allowed public speaking. He stood up and said, I have a plan to rebuild Rockaway, and we're going to just cover the entire ocean front with high rises and there was like mm. silence in the room <laughs> rockaway he, 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 did he walk out alive <laughs> no one attacked him everyone was respectful but it was silent and there was not a lot of applause people in rockaway since the 1920s high rises were proposed but there was never a building over four stories until the 1950s so people in Rockaway had high rises foisted upon them by Robert Moses right. and the developers of the housing project. So they don't the want high rises. Jim, I know that your crew helped to build flood-proof and hurricane-proof homes in Mamaroneck following the destructive flooding there. Are you putting those lessons to use in the Rockaways? And what can the city overall right. do to make sure that whatever is built is built smartly? Well, there's the, everyone's waiting for the FEMA flood uh, lines to be, you know, the standards. New Jersey announced them, so that'll allow w- talk about what uh, height you have to build to. A chief of a fire department came in and said he's fearful they might ask him to raise the house above that, and they don't have money to do it. That's what a lot of residents feel in some ways. The, se- the, the, the second thing is, though, is that you have a chance to, to, to build, not to gentrify, but to build smarter, greener, uh, a big issue was the jetties. Uh, the jetty was not fully completed, and Vivian knows more on this than I was, But uh, and also dune maintenance in some of the areas. Uh, so so for us, I've had a solar company, and I'm uh, we're creating, a, and if anybody's interested, an email, they can email us, design at habitatwc.org. You know, we want to come up with beautiful green, affordable designs that could be uh, for a bungalow or it could be one of the homeowners or, you know, there's there's so many complexities of type of styles of housing. Old, um, I get fearful when I look at some of it and people are, elderly people are renting to a young, a mother and a daughter in a bungalow down, you know, above 20th. Uh, for us in Habitat, in, in uh, Habitat in New York City's helping us that now, but for us, and if you look at the New York area, right, the uh, real estate is always the highest in the country. And so, you know, the history of the Rockaways touches upon that being the, the piece of land where people ended up, uh, be it our own ancestors, you know, the Irish intents as immigrants or or uh, people in bungalows who took summer cottages and made them their lifelong homes because that's all they could afford. 
And uh, I, I think uh, there is a long-term uh, lesson and study to be done out of this. And we, and we feel uh, there's two types of reconstruction as I see it. One is individual home reconstruction and then community reconstruction. And you don't want not to have the Vivians of those people who are silent in that meeting. They need to be at every meeting. And then you need the Murphy brothers to be at some of the meetings. And you need the Habitats to be there, too, and the the architects. And, and it's a chance to really, uh, without losing the history, capture capture the Rockaway uh, essence and, and rebuild. Um, it is... Uh, we need to get businesses. We need to get money in there to bring those businesses up. We've helped to get some businesses back and running. And I think that's on a short term for the Vivians that are out there trying to get around and and a, uh, a clarion call to the city of New York to really help with uh, making sure there's plenty of public transportation, plenty of stores open. It's kind of like silent now and people are going away. Like Vivian said, the tents and the Red Cross, people are still in crisis. So, you know, everyone thinks, you know, remember we'll go from disaster to disaster with great communication that we see all around the world. The headlines change so quickly. Right. But the Rockaways needs this winter night and the next three months are critical for survival of people, for every one of your listeners' support, no matter what they can do. I just want to mention one last thing, too. If people are interested in the stories about some of the great community organizations that were functioning prior to the storm, some of them are struggling to stay sure. afloat. <clears throat> I do write a column in The Wave called Rock Solid, and it's online, www.rockawave.com. You could check out my columns about different groups. And also I have a blog called Oybe Rockaway. It's <laughs> www.rockviv.com. We love it. This was the biggest Oybe of all. And, of course, your great book, Rockaway Beach, out from Arcadia Publishing. Vivian, thank you so much. Thank you, George. Jim, thanks so much for coming Thanks. In. It's, it's great to be here. An Mike, honor. Mike, thank you. Thanks, George. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. I'm George Boraki. I want to thank our guests this morning, Vivian Rattay-Carter. Vivian's a resident of the Bell Harbor section of the Rockaways in Queens. She's also the author of a book that looks into the storied past of Rockaway Beach. Jim Kaloran, the executive director of Habitat for Humanity of Westchester, and Mike Murphy with Murphy Brothers Contracting, based in Mamaroneck in Westchester County. Also, thank you to Cityscape's senior producer, Morlene Chin, and producer, Julie Clark. Have a great weekend and a very happy new year.